So you're thinking now about someone who's difficult in your life, antagonistic towards you. How are you to handle them in a way that reflects grace? What does grace look like in the reality of our world today? Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, that's a big question. What does grace look like in the reality of our world today? Yeah, and we get a wonderful example and answer to that question from the story of Saul and David that we're looking at. Saul really brought a lot of pain into David's life. I mean, he was relentlessly antagonistic towards him. And David shows grace. And we're looking at how to handle a hostile person. You might be thinking right now of someone who really is making your life difficult. And how are you going to respond to that person in a way that really reflects the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, last time we looked at seven different ways to handle a hostile person. We've seen how we should practice restraint and show appropriate respect. Today, we pick up on point number three, how to make the kindest assumption. Here's Pastor Colin. Number three, make the kindest possible assumption. Verse nine, David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Now, that was very simply, folks, the kindest possible assumption. We saw last time that Saul was absolutely convinced that David was out to get him, but David lifts the burden of this off the shoulders of Saul and points to the role of his advisors. Why have you listened to these men, he says, taking it somewhat away from Saul, the men who say that David seeks your harm? A.W. Pink, who is wonderfully helpful here, speaks about the method we should follow when seeking to subdue the malice of those who hate us. And he says this, I quote, Proceed on the assumption that it is not the individual's own enmity against us, but that it has been unjustly stirred up by others. Due allowance should always be made for them having been ill-informed by others. You see how generous David is being towards Saul here? Well, with the attitude that Saul has, it, it must be that others have spoken ill. It must be that others have given him false information. It must be that he has listened to others who have stirred him up. And do you see how David is reaching out to heal the breach, if that were possible? You see how grace is creating room for some kind of lowering of tensions and lowering of hostility? Number four, demonstrate grace. Verse 10, behold this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave and some told me to kill you but I spared you and I said I will not put out my hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed. And David holds up the corner of the the robe as the evidence of grace. Verse 11, see my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. So here's 
David laying out evidence of grace. It's demonstrated, not only in his words, but in his actions. Because he's seeking to reach out to this person who has been so hostile towards him. And we're being given here the most marvelous reflection of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, in the life of this person, in this hardest and toughest of all situations. Number five, appeal to the relationship at its best. You want to see some healing of hostility? You want to see some lowering of tensions in the workplace? Appeal to the relationship at its best. You notice what he says there in verse 11 to Saul. See my father. See the corner of your robe in my hand. Now of all the ways for David to describe Saul after all that had gone on, my father. Of course he was. He he was married to Saul's daughter and so he was his father-in-law. That was the relationship at its best. He might easily have come out and said, see my enemy, see my king. But it's very distinct, isn't it? He is appealing to the very deepest and strongest foundation of this relationship because he's reaching out. He's trying to show grace. He's trying to see some change in regards to the hostility that has been coming from Saul. Saul, we're in the same family. I'm never going to hurt you. My father. This is so important in trying to deal with the hostile person. We're on the same team. We're part of the same family. We're sisters in the Lord. Again, Pink, who is helpful here, points out, this came to me with great force when, when I saw it. You remember when Judas comes to Jesus and he's going to kiss him in the garden of Gethsemane to betray him and he's going to go to his death. And Jesus does not say to him, traitor, what you do quickly, do it quickly. He doesn't say to him, betrayer, what you do, do it quickly. Do you remember what he says? Friend, do what you have come to do quickly. Friend appeals to the relationship at its best with this most hostile of people. If that's what Jesus does in relation to Judas, if that's what David does in relation to Saul, then that is what we are able to do with the folks who may be hostile towards us and make our lives very, very difficult indeed. Number six. Do good without expecting it in return. You're dealing with a hostile person. Don't try and negotiate. Notice how David doesn't do that. Verse 12, Saul realizes the position that he's in. And he says, verse 20, and this has been uh, clear in earlier parts of the story, that Saul really does know that David is going to be king. But he affirms it again here, verse 20. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. 
I know it's true. I know that you're the Lord's anointed. That's what Saul's saying. And then immediately you notice that he asks for something. Saul says, so swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me as his children, and that you will not destroy my name, my family line, in other words, out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. I know you're going to be king. Please promise me that you won't harm my family. And David says, of course I won't harm your family. Your family is my family. I swear it to you. Now, of course, if David was a good negotiator, he would have said, let's do a deal. I'll give you this promise if you'll call off this relentless hunt and antagonism against me, and then we'll not have chapter 26, you see. But David is a wise person. He knows that it does not help to negotiate with a hostile person who may not even be able to keep the word that they gave if they were ready to give it to you. And so he follows the pattern of Christ. And he does good without seeking it in return. This is Romans chapter 12, you see. You overcome evil by doing good. He he gives this commitment and he gives this promise. He doesn't ask for anything in return. And I do want you to notice this as well, that after all this has happened, if you look in verse 22 at the end of the chapter, David does not then go back home with him. It says there that Saul went home, but David and his men went up uh, to the stronghold. In other words, for all the kindness that David has shown, he does not have any expectation that there will be a change in Saul or that in some way Saul's antagonism towards him is suddenly going to be changed. He just does good anyway. He just does it anyway. Grace meant that David did good to Saul, it did not mean that he trusted someone who had repeatedly deceived him and been antagonistic towards him to somehow change when there was no evidence whatsoever of change. But he does good anyway. Not in order to get something, but because that's how God is. Because he shows kindness that is intended to lead us to repentance, even although in thousands and thousands and millions of lives, it does not. And then here's the last thing here. Trust God for your vindication. Trust God for your vindication. Verse 25, he says, May the Lord therefore judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. It's not easy, as many of you know well, to live under a barrage of false accusation, impugning of your motives, people assuming the worst about you. Jesus said, look, it's going to happen. He said to his disciples, people will say all kinds of evil against you on account of my name. And he said, when it happens, remember you're in good company because that's what happened with regards to the prophets. And of course, all kinds of evil was said about our Lord Jesus. And when it was said of our Lord Jesus, Peter says when he was reviled, he did not revile back in return. What did he do? He trusted his heavenly Father and looked to him for his vindication. And that's what David is doing here. He's saying, well, now, I'm not going to be the one who's going to be able to demonstrate the rights and wrongs of all of this. 
but I am trusting my case into the hands of the Heavenly Father, and he will make judgment. He will pass sentence with regards to both you and me. Now, this is a wonderful, wonderful sevenfold manifestation of grace. It's a marvelous model to really ponder as to how we can learn from these things and put them into practice, things that reflect the very grace of God in a world uh, where there is so much hostility, how to handle a hostile person, practice restraint, show appropriate respect, make the kindest possible assumption, demonstrate grace, appeal to the relationship at its best, do good without expecting it back in return, and trust your vindication, not into your own hands, but into the very hands of God. Now, folks, we need these things because we're living in a world in which there's much hostility. And you won't get through life without finding yourself in this kind of a position. We want to be people of grace. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, The Robe and the Spear, part of our series on the life of David. And if you ever miss any of our broadcasts, you can always go to our website, openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of our previous messages or simply stream them online. Also on the website, you can find Open the Bible Daily, a series of short two- to three-minute reflections written by Pastor Colin Smith and read by Sue McLeish. (laughs) Well, for many years, I've benefited from reading Colin Smith's daily devotionals, which are available on the website. I've always found them compelling and relevant. As a retired drama teacher and a person who loves God's Word, I just feel very privileged to be the voice for these readings. To find Open the Bible Daily, go to the website openthebible.org.uk, click on the menu item Resources, then click on Open the Bible Daily. Now back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. In these last moments, let me just address this question. What came of this? What came of this evidence of grace poured out? The answer is that Saul never changed. That's the point of chapter 26. Don't expect that we live in a world in which if you act in a Christ-honoring way, that somehow that's going to bring transformation to the entire workplace. It may not. The tragedy of Saul is that although David offers kindness and extends grace, Saul never actually changed. And so you'll see at the end of the chapter that he weeps, but he doesn't repent. Saul lifted up his voice and he wept. Yeah, but you see, in chapter 26, he's back to the old paths, just doing what he always did, hunting David and trying to destroy him. So there's a regret here, but there's not repentance. He weeps, but he does not change. He concedes, but he doesn't confess. He says to David, verse 17, you're more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Well, he's giving something to David, but there's no way that that counts as any kind of confession before God. Matthew Henry says, bad men will commonly go no further for this in their confession. They will say they are not as good as some others are, and that there are those who are better than they, more righteous. 
So Saul comes up and he says, you know, David, you're right. I've been in the wrong here. Big deal. There's no change ever comes out of that. He said, well, I know I'm not perfect, God. No change ever going to come out of that. It's a concession, certainly not a confession. And he asks, he asks David for this favor that he will um, not wipe out the descendants. And David, of course, immediately makes that promise and was true to it. He, he asks, but he does not commit. There's nothing that's coming back. Uh, he simply asks of this one who points us forward to Jesus Christ, but he does not make any commitment to him. Swear, therefore, by the Lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me. Very interesting, here's this man who knows he's soon going to go out into eternity. He's worried about the future of his family on earth. He's still giving no thought to the future of his own soul in eternity. Sorting out the will, making sure it's all right for everybody else. But what about your soul? What about where you're going? And so Saul does not change. Here's the tragedy of this person, and we're to learn from it. The discipline of God does not break him. And the kindness of God does not melt him. He remains as he always was. A man with a hardened heart, consumed with himself. And some of us need to hear this story from the perspective of David, but some of us need to hear this story from the perspective of Saul. Here's your position. Let me describe it to you. You know the truth. Saul says, I know, David, that you're going to be on the throne. He knew this. He didn't like it. He kept pushing the truth away, but he knew it. He knew it in his heart. He'd known it for a long time. And you know the truth, that there's a God in heaven who by a right lays claim to your life. And you don't like this truth. You keep pushing this truth away, but you know that it is true. Romans chapter 1, although they knew God, they did not honor him. And although Saul knows the truth, what does he do? He believes the lie. The lie that is constantly repeated, David's against you, David's against you, the Lord's anointed is out to get you and do you harm. And in the same way, there's someone here today and you, though you know the truth that there is an eternal God who lays claim to your life, you have believed the lie. And the reason that you have not committed yourself to him is that you believe in your heart of hearts that this God is out to get you that this God is out to harm you, that this God in some way is going to make your life less and that your life will be far better if it's in your own hands than if it were in his. You believed that lie and that's why you keep pushing him away. And like Saul, you've seen evidence of grace. There's David, the Lord's anointed. He holds up on one occasion the corner of the rope. He holds up on another occasion the spear and he says, look, You have nothing to fear from the Lord's anointed, David is saying, because here's grace. Here's the evidence that I am for you, Saul. And God holds before you today, not the corner of a robe, not a spear, but holds before you a cross. 
You believed the lie that God is out to harm you, that your life's going to be less if you become a fully devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he holds before you the cross today and he says, here is the evidence that I am not out to harm you. More than that, that I am totally for you. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were just resisting him and antagonistic towards him, Christ died for us. That's grace. And the tragedy of Saul's life was that when grace was displayed, he just kept pushing it away. And so on the basis of this story in God's word, I say to you today, don't be like that. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Come to Christ in faith. Come to Christ in repentance. Come to Christ in confession. And why would you not want to be reconciled to this God of grace who is for you and offers himself to you in Jesus Christ, even today? You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the story of David and Saul from our series about the life of David. And today's message was the second part of The Robe and the Spear. We've heard how David displayed grace and yet, unfortunately, Saul declined it and pushed it away. The tragedy of Saul's life was that he hardened his heart. If this story speaks to you and you feel you may have hardened your heart, it's never too late to change that. We hope that you'll take the opportunity to talk with a trusted Christian friend or family member or go along to a local church. Maybe you already attend a church. Talk to the prayer ministry person or team they'd be happy to pray with you. And if you like, we'd love to hear about it. So feel free to email us by going to our website, openthebible.org.uk, and use the contact form. Or you can simply email to hello at openthebible.org.uk. We're adding more and more resources to our website. You can find Open the Bible Story, which includes a 30-session journey through the Bible story, which we call The Drive. It will take you through the deep valleys of the Old Testament and up to the peaks of the glory of Jesus, as well as the ups and downs of the Christian life. It includes a study guide to help you discuss your 30-day journey in a small group. At Open the Bible, we're able to keep this program on the station because our listeners support us financially. If that's something you feel able to do, we'd really appreciate a regular donation. And to say thank you, if you can set up a regular monthly donation of £5 or more, we would love to send you a copy of Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and Robert Wolgamuth's book, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story, Embracing the Mysteries of Providence. And Colin, why should people read this book? Oh, two reasons. Uh, the first is the people who've written it. Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth is a wonderful Bible teacher. Her husband, uh, Robert, a wonderful writer. They've collaborated together. You want to read the writings of people who walk closely with the Lord. And Robert and Nancy are marvelous examples of that. But then the second reason would be the focus of this book. It's all about how God writes your story and how you can trust God to write your story, especially in times where you feel, you know, what is actually happening in my life and what is it that God is doing? At one point in the book, Steve, Robert and Nancy give us 10 principles 
that help us to see how God is at work in the story of our lives. I haven't got time to give all 10, but here's a sample. God works in unexpected, unexplainable ways to accomplish his purpose. Then here's another one. What we see now is not the whole story. Another one. We can trust God to write the story of those we love. That's a really helpful encouragement. And here's another. The challenges we face now may be a part of God writing someone else's story. That's a really helpful insight. And wrapping it up, you can trust God to write your story. God is always writing a redemptive story in the lives of each of his children. And this book wonderfully explains how it's a joy to read and it will be a blessing and a help to all who read it. For Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Peck, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Open the Bible is supported on this station by our listeners. How would you have felt? The man who set himself against you has finally died. Find out how David reacted to the news of Saul's death. That's next time on Open the Bible.